Hello, Dick. How are you? Great to speak to you in 2023. Gentlemen. We'll try again. Dick, how are you? Take two. Does this work? <laughs> <laughs> uh, great Welcome to, back, guys. Yeah, great to be back and great to speak to you again, particularly at this juncture of the NFL season. And before we preview these two games, the first starting soon, uh, the games yesterday. And the firstly, Kansas City, 27-20 to 20 over Jacksonville. But the big story out of the match is the fitness of Patrick Mahomes. What are the reports over there in the U.S. about, well, I guess his uh, prognosis and his predicament heading towards the AFC Championship game next week? I think the best news you could have possibly gotten is from Patrick Mahomes himself when after the game he was asked about his ankle and he says, actually, it feels a lot better than I thought it was going to feel after the game. So uh, I think that's... uh, I mean, he was able to come back. He was able to be, you know, relatively successful in, in his comeback. He wasn't clearly Patrick Mahomes and being able, but he still ran for a first down. It was amazing watching Patrick Mahomes scramble and hobble himself and dive forward for a first down. It just shows you, you know, this shows you the toughness that Patrick Mahomes had. You, you saw he wanted to get back into the game right away in the first half. And, you know, Andy Reid made the smart decision by saying, hey, listen, it's, it's the first half. We've got a halftime coming up. We only have a few minutes before half anyway. Let's get you into the locker room. Let's get you x-rayed. Let's just make sure there's nothing broken there. And then we can, then we've got time, right? We've got time on our side. We've got a good 30, 35, 40 minutes until we even have to make a decision on whether you're coming back in the second half. He was able to do that. Uh, so handled correctly by Kansas City. I honestly would be very, very surprised if Patrick Mahomes can't play next week. The other game yesterday and Philadelphia 38-7 to over the New York Giants. And it just seemed that having that week off as the top seed in the NFC really benefited the Eagles. It did. And, you know, I think the Giants, not that, not that one play call would have made all the difference in the world in, in a blowout game, but sometimes it just sets the tone for the game. And you had a situation where Philadelphia had gone down. They had already scored a touchdown. It was 7 to nothing. The Giants got the ball. And I felt... I felt Brian Dable panicked. I mean, the Giants had a fairly decent drive going. They got to the Philadelphia uh, 35, 36-yard line, so right at the edge of field goal range, and then Daniel Jones gets sacked on third down. He gets sacked back to the 40-yard line. So you're thinking, okay, fine, whatever. You had a pretty good drive there. You just punt the ball away. You hit, you hit a nice high punt that has to be fair caught somewhere inside the 15-yard line. You play field position. You're only down 7 nothing, And Brian Dable did what a lot of coaches are doing these days, and that's, that's going for it on fourth downs in questionable situations. And this was a fourth and eight, guys. And I just, I could not believe the call. Um, it was unsuccessful. And it took like Philadelphia three minutes to march down the field, a half of a field, because the field position was given back to, to the Eagles. And they marched down and scored. It was 14-0. And the game just felt over from that moment. I mean, it just felt like the door was closed, even though it was just the end of the first quarter. So a, a rookie mistake by a rookie head coach that's had an excellent season and might even win the, win the Coach of the Year award, but just a bad decision there. And what about this first game today, Bill? The Bills and the Bengals. Now, we've just got it on in front of us here, and the conditions look horrendous. It is snowing, and it's, it's <laughs> just coming down heavily over there. Um, do they suit the Bills these conditions or Cincinnati used to playing in the snow and the clash of the quarterbacks I mean Joe Burrow and Allen Josh Allen I mean two of the young superstars of the game coming up against each other who do you favor 
Ab- absolutely. Um, you know, I think the, the conditions, the last I checked the weather report there for Buffalo is they were supposed to have flurries come through, but it's not supposed to be a heavy dumping today. And it's not going to be, it's not supposed to be consistent through the game. So they might be getting one of those heavy flurries coming through right now. So I, I'm not sure it, they, if, if there's a city that knows how to handle uh, the snow for a football game, it would be Buffalo. So I, I wouldn't imagine that the conditions would be all that, uh, you know, all that troublesome for either quarterback, both quarterbacks are, are used to playing in the cold in Cincinnati and in, and in Buffalo. Um, I think this game comes down to Josh Allen protecting the football. I think if Josh Allen um, kind of gunslings like he has for a good portion of the last two months and doesn't use his legs enough and just tries to beat Cincinnati downfield or just kind of forcing balls in, that's how Cincinnati has an opportunity to win this game via the turnover. And Joe Burrow has been a much more controlled quarterback this year than, than Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen's the more talented overall football player, but Joe Burrow's more controlled and that's what got him to the Super Bowl last year. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to lean towards Buffalo winning this game, but uh, what's it at about six? Is five that where the half. number is right now? Five and a half. What's that? Five and a half. Yeah. I think it's going to be closer than that. So I'll take, you know, I'll kind of call the kind of play the middle here. I'll take uh, I'll take Buffalo, but in that three to four point range. So uh, if I had to pick a side uh, on the on the line, I would probably take the take the four and a half points. San Francisco or five and a half points rather. San Francisco and Dallas. The line is four at the moment uh, with tabs. So Dallas plus four, and uh, well, it's just a question of whether Brock Purdy. The last pick in the draft can continue this unbelievable run since he's become the starting quarterback of the 49ers. Uh, what side are you on here, Dick? This is a fascinating game. San Francisco's the better football team. Um, I, I kind of hitched my wagon to them. I've been very, very impressed with them over the last uh, two months or so. I've been impressed with Brock Purdy. Kyle Shanahan knows exactly how to use him. And and I have not been all that impressed with Dallas over the course of the whole season. Now, I will say this. Dallas has improved over the last few weeks, particularly on offense. Uh, Dak Prescott's been a little hit and miss. Dak is good enough to put points up. And if they can get into that mid-20s range, they have an opportunity to win this football game. But this San Francisco defense, I think, is as good as any that we've seen since the Seahawks 10 years ago. And so uh, I'm going to take San Francisco in this one. I think the lines have been a little bit too short um, at, you know, three, three and a half, four. That's fluctuated over the last week or so. I'm going to stick to my guns and go with what I think the better team is, San Francisco. And you're talking about a team with two days extra rest. San Francisco played on Saturday. Dallas played on Monday and has to travel to San Francisco. That's a good three-hour plane ride. Um, it's, I think it's going to be a little bit too much for Dallas to overcome. If the 49ers continue to go the way they've been playing, Dick, and you know, make it through to a, to a Super Bowl, given that they're using the third-string quarterback in, in Brock Purdy, have you ever seen that before? And what happens to a Trey Lance or a Jimmy Garoppolo, who are ranked one and two, in that organization next year and going forward? Because I'm assuming they can't keep all three quarterbacks on the books. We certainly don't see it very often. Uh, We have seen backup quarterbacks come in and win Super Bowls before. We saw it a few years ago with Nick Foles after Carson Wentz went down for the Philadelphia Eagles. Nobody thought that the Philadelphia Eagles would go and win the Super Bowl with with Nick Foles as their starting quarterback, but they did. Um, they, They did a fabulous job. Doug Peterson did a fabulous job 
just protecting Nick Foles and having Nick Foles just do what Nick Foles can do. And that's exactly what Kyle Shanahan does. And then the legendary story that all everybody's heard of is, is Kurt Warner and the Rams. Heck, they just made a, a movie about it to this last year, the, the American underdog, where you know Kurt Warner was boxing shelves at a grocery store a year before leading his team to the Super Bowl. So it has happened before, but Kurt Warner was just an untapped talent that was just absolutely spectacular. Brock Purdy has been impressive. He doesn't have the the size. He doesn't have the arm strength, but he does have the mobility, and he does apparently have some really good decision-making. He's made some pretty good plays um, when the pocket has broken down, and he is fast enough to run for first down. So I think Brock Purdy is good enough to win the Super Bowl, but I think the level of competition is going to ratchet up here once they get past Dallas. I mean, it's it's going to ratchet up when they certainly if they get to the Super Bowl, and and it's going to ratchet up next week with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they're a quite a bit better team than Dallas is. Dick, what's the latest with Tom Brady, buddy? Has he made it clear he's going to continue to play, and where do you think he'll end up? I don't think he'll be in Tampa. Um, I think that was uh, that was a farewell speech he gave to the Tampa Bay media um, after the last game on on Monday night. So I, I just I have to lean that he's going to play only because um, Tom Brady's one thing that has pulled him away from football is no longer in his life, and and that is his now ex-wife. I mean it it's pretty well publicized that she is the reason that. Tom Brady, you know, talked about retirement in the first place and declared his retirement in the first place. And I think he wants to continue playing and it'll just be a a matter of of the landing spot. I mean, he's originally a West Coast guy. It'd be interesting to see him back here on the West Coast, you know, with San Francisco, maybe with Las Vegas. I mean, you asked about the quarterback situation, San Francisco past Brock Purdy. I don't know, particularly if Brock Purdy wins this game, makes an NFC championship game. I don't know how he's not the San Francisco starting quarterback next year and and why they would want anybody other than him if he's proven he can win big-time playoff games with the rest of that defense. But I would definitely lean towards Tom Brady playing next year, but I would not lean towards him playing in Tampa Bay. Just before you go, Dick, uh, I think probably the big story in the NBA in the past few days, what did you make of the shouting match between what ex-NFL star (laughs) Shannon Sharp and the Memphis Grizzlies at that match against the Lakers, I was watching that thinking, gee, if this happened in Australia, if there was an ex-player of you know significant repute having a crack at blokes on the field, it would be a massive story. So just for our listeners, explain what that was all about. So Shannon Sharp is one of the greatest uh, tight ends ever to play the game, won a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos. Um, very outspoken, very huge, I mean, just a huge man. I mean, looks like he could still play football, uh, and he's got to be, you know, 45-plus years old right now, still looks like he can play tight end in the, in the NFL. But I think what's more important is he does a national television talk show every morning. And so the first thing I thought was, oh, publicity stunt, right? <laughs> and have this guy going on you know, yelling and screaming. He's a beloved, he's beloved by LeBron James. He's beloved by the Lakers. And evidently he does have some history and not bad history necessarily with John Morant's father. And so he started chirping at, uh, at one of the players uh, in the game for Memphis. And I think uh, John Morant's dad, you know, kind of got in, jawed into it. It sounds like they're both from the same state and it sounds like they both kind of knew each other and don't necessarily have bad blood. So it was just one of those things really of two guys just smack talking and the smack talk gets kind of out of control and chests start bumping and uh, 
but I can imagine that it's going to do wonders for his ratings tomorrow morning when his first show comes on at 9 o'clock in the morning Pacific time. I'm certainly going to be watching. I usually watch the show anyway, and now uh, it'll be interesting to see how he handles it. But, yeah, it was it was embarrassing for him, but at the same time, I mean, it's going to get eyeballs on his television show. Yeah, well. Yeah, well, no doubt it will. Uh, and uh, well, plenty of eyeballs on these divisional round matchups starting shortly, Dick. Thanks so much, and we'll chat in a couple of days. Sounds good. It'll be, uh, it's going to be a fun day watching football, that's for sure.